1: The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. Broadcasting from beautiful, sexy, steamy Studio City. As always, this is the Knapsack Files. We're back up and running in 2017. I'm so glad a lot of you are here for the journey. And one of the uh, one of the reasons I came back. I sound like I'm a pro wrestler returning to fight at WrestleMania. It's ridiculous. But one of the reasons I came back is since I had stopped the show, um, I've gained a lot of new friends and new voices that uh, I want to share with all of you out there. So tonight is no different. Uh, first time appearance on the Knapsack Files podcast feed. And uh, a favorite of mine over this last year, getting to know and work with her over at Screen Junkies and Collider and Schmoes know, it is Emma Fife.
0: Hi, happy to be
1: here. It's so <laughs> glad to, I, it's so glad. I always say that. <laughs> I just was on it's one of Mod- so glad. I was on one of Garrett's show and I said, It's so glad to be here, <laughs> like I'm an idiot. It is so good, and I am glad to yes, have you here because you. Uh, uh, you were someone that I, I met through After Buzz, but I also saw first. Yes, and, and it was like when we were scouting for talent for Schmoes. It's like, hey, who's good? Who's good? And I kept hearing, you got it, you got to check out Emma Five's work. <laughs> Emma Five knows her stuff, and it was like, it, you know, almost almost the point of yeah, yeah, yeah. Besides Emma, right? Because right. I always hear that name. What right. else do you got? And then it was like finally, it was uh, it was uh, Joseph Scrimshaw who yes. uh, was like, no, no, really. This person's got some talent. So uh, I'm buttering you up first. Oh. <laughs> I've, I've given you some whiskey yes. so we can start getting some truths. But uh, you uh, you started in Connecticut. That's where your life journey began. Correct.
0: Yes, I was uh, born and raised in Connecticut. Yeah. Uh, and then I went to college in Virginia.
1: To study what?
0: Musical theater. Uh,
1: yeah, love that. Yep. <laughs> love that. What in the world drew you to that?
0: Uh, well, um, when I was a little kid, uh, I, I have this very vivid memory. Um, so we were on vacation in Maine because um, my mom's mom's family is from Maine. Mm-hmm. Uh, her mom's dad like ran Portland Steel during World War Two. Like they're like old Maine money. It's that's, super weird. I
1: was gonna say that sounds like a, a Rockefeller. Yes, it, it kind of like kind of they were.
0: It's funny. My my grandmother, my mom's mom, uh, she you know, later on in her life kind mm. of was like, I didn't really realize how wealthy we were growing up. Like, cause it was just that's, normal for her. You know what yeah. I mean? But she's like, we had like maids. Like we had,
1: I was going to say, yeah,
0: like, it turns out we had servants. Yes. Exactly,
1: that's exactly what it was. I thought people just hung out with us. Yep.
0: Nope. She's like, those people worked for us. I, I now realize. <laughs> um, but anyway, so we were on vacation uh, in Maine, uh, in lovely mm. uh, Goose Rocks beach, which is in Kennebunkport, Maine. Kennebunk. Uh, that's yeah. my
1: nickname for my great Kennebunk. aunt. Kennebunk.
0: Nice. Kennebunk. Nice. Uh, and I remember we stayed with a babysitter. It was probably the babysitter who was traveling mm-hmm. with my who'd like gone to Maine with my cousins at the time because yep. my cousin Abby would have been pretty young at the time. And uh they went to go my parents went to go see Jurassic Park. And I So this was summer of 93, and right. I was so mad at them because I wanted to go so badly, but I was six years old. Right. Um, right and right. so my parents were like, yeah, no, uh, no. you're not going to go see Jurassic Park in the movie theater. But I was obsessed uh, with dinosaurs. Uh-huh. So I really, really wanted to see it, but they were like, that's not happening. Not happening. Um, and when they got home, uh, for whatever reason, like they didn't go to that late of a movie, and my dad put on the soundtrack to Joseph and the Amazing Tentacolor Dreamcoat. Which is um, perfect
1: poster. Jurassic perfect, Park. perfect post-Jurassic yeah. Park music,
0: and I was obsessed. Uh, really? And yeah, I just, I fell in love with this weird Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, uh, and I already, like, I already just liked things like The Sound of Music. Okay, and, I was
1: going to say, was this, like, Angels Came From Heaven and no, the soundtrack appears, no, and suddenly you're like, oh, I like to no, sing. No, it was just, like,
0: I already liked to sing. I loved Disney movies, so I used okay. to sing all the, like, Alan Menken songs, yeah. like all Little Mermaid stuff. And uh, but yeah, so then my uh, but Joseph, for whatever reason, was the mm-hmm. first thing that like it really clicked for me that that was a stage show because there was no way that right. I could see that as a movie at that time.
1: Interesting. So, so at a very young age, yeah. you, you've got some yeah, theater direction I did. in Well, and it was
0: funny because, you know, when I was little um obviously like I was a very dramatic child I always really enjoyed movies and TV shows I'm sure that went away right oh uh, yeah definitely <laughs> went sure away, it went <laughs> away. <laughs> not melodramatic at all anymore uh, but I I wanted to be mm. um so I wanted to be an actor from the time I was really really little Yeah. but pretty early on I became sort of aware of the phenomenon of paparazzi and like people like being famous and people being like really involved in your personal life (laughs) and And that like like, was really terrifying to me
1: really yes that's an interesting point because uh, in high school I used to uh, a friend of mine named Jamie we used to talk about we were both in in theater and everything at the time and it was like yeah I want to be a famous actor I want to be a famous something and we both were like we'd watch entertainment tonight and be like I can't wait till that's us but you're like at early age I "I want them no
0: I was like I was like I want to be a working actor not a famous actor you just (laughs) want to be a character
1: actor in the background But which shows that you are much more grounded despite having some servants in your family. Yes, exactly. That is correct. that's awesome. Yeah,
0: my dad's, side the, my dad's side of the family was not wealthy. working class. Yeah, they were working, working
1: class, blue collar East yeah. Coast family. No, right?
0: well, they were in Scotland. But oh, okay, yeah, I, have, I
1: won't even do a Scottish <laughs> accent. Um, so, so from an early age, you know that number one, you uh, can direct theater because you're in your head. Like, I can only envision this as a theater performance. Yes. Uh, and then you, you, you want to sing, you want to act. Yeah. Um, when did the nerd set in? Oh,
0: God, before that. (laughs) And it's so interesting
1: that now uh, I'm a little older than you, Emma, that I get to use that term uh, with with affection and admiration because at one point.
0: You couldn't do that. No, it's absolutely true. And I mean, you know, certainly when I was in middle school and high school, Mm -hmm. I lived through that being not such a cool thing. Right. Um, I, God, for me, the nerd kicked in. Ugh, so young. Um, I have, or my parents have somewhere in their possession. I don't know if my mom threw it away in the house purge, because right. she's currently in the process of cleaning out the house that I grew up in, uh, uh, well, lived in from the time I was five until I moved away um, to go to college when I was 18. Yeah. Uh, they're in the process of cleaning that house out, because my parents are moving. Right. Um, so she's been throwing away a lot of stuff, so I don't know if this <laughs> survived, nerd if this is survived kinda... the purge or not, but uh, when I was in uh, nursery school, right. uh, we had to do a book. About all of our favorite things. And literally my answers for my entire book were all Ninja Turtles. Nice. Uh, which was my favorite nice. show when I was a little kid. And I had a huge collection of Ninja Turtles action figures. Uh, I had some like stuffed Ninja Turtles dolls. And I mm-hmm. used to just play Ninja Turtles in real life yeah. all the time.
1: Was there a moment like... Ninja Turtles and everything uh outside of um uh being a female fan of that stuff which there was a time mm-hmm. which that was yeah. uh, unfortunately kind of weird yeah, I grew up in a, I, I grew up in an era where it's like I did not grow up thinking girls like Star Wars. Right, totally. I wish I knew that. Yeah. I missed out on good friendships or or playground friends yeah. because I didn't know. Aside from that, mm-hmm. which is a different conversation mm-hmm. and a bigger issue, was mm-hmm. there was there a moment though when you knew Liking Ninja Turtles, or maybe on the playground you're reenacting scenes from Ninja Turtles, was a little different than what your friends are doing.
0: You know, it's interesting. The most vivid memory for me of being like, oh, maybe like I think about this thing in a different way than other people do, um, was we were talking about Star Wars. This was probably in like fourth grade I want to say because I think Mm -hmm. I think when you're younger than that it doesn't occur to you because everybody still just really like loves the things that they love Mm -hmm. and like I thought about Star Wars even at that age on such a like more in-depth kind of level than everyone else did. Yeah, so like for me, like all the other girls were like, I'm in love with Jonathan Taylor Thomas and I was like, Harrison "Harrison Ford, you guys, is so sexy (laughs) in Star Wars. And I kid you, this is literally maybe fourth grade. And I remember my... Yeah, that's fine. And I remember my friends being like, what on earth are you talking (laughs) about? What's a Harrison Ford (laughs) and and what's a sexy? Yes. (laughs) Yes.
1: See, for me, I've told this (laughs) story before in other places, but for me, it was in kindergarten (laughs) when during playground or recess time, I'd gather uh, two female friends I had, right, um, and I'd make them, we'd reenact scenes from MASH, oh, where I'd be nice. like, the helicopters are coming with the injured, we've got to go over here, radar's going to tell us, and it, mm-hmm. that's when I was like, this doesn't seem normal. Yeah. <laughs> started I do I,
0: I used to, when I was in kindergarten, I remember, uh, the thing is, is for me, is I, yes, I always had, like, a very active imagination and mm-hmm. played a lot of, like, Kind of crazy games that I made up rather than playing just sort of, I don't know, whatever sort of regular games kids play at recess.
1: You're winning with (laughs) the games, though. Us nerds are playing the better games. Uh,
0: But I remember, um, but I also, from the time I was little, was so alpha that, like, everyone just listened to me. Like, my kindergarten teacher actually told my class that I was not allowed to make up every game we played. Really? Yes.
1: I can see that with you. which It's, pro- it's part of what I, I think makes you a good broadcaster yeah. from the beginning. Is You're in charge and confident in yeah. being in charge. Yeah. What's going on inside? We don't know. We can dig deeper. Exactly. I don't know. If exactly. Maybe if you're like me. But, um yeah, so that kind of makes sense that that would, that would carry on. Mm-hmm. So the nerd set in. You definitely know. You got the entertainment thing. Uh, I want to go to musical theater. Okay. We have so many questions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I actually have one question. What's the most embarrassing thing you've done in musical theater on a stage? Is there something? Oh,
0: my God. I, I don't even I guess I'll classify this as embarrassing. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know. I embarrass like embarrass. Well, oh, no. OK, so when I was a senior in mm. high school, mm. um, we were <laughs> we were doing a production uh, of Grease. Awesome. which I was like at that point I was over it I was like into Sondheim but I was a senior in high school <laughs> like
1: Look, this I was is, this is below me.
0: very pretentious Grease lightning
1: um, does not go 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 but
0: I have to say so like I remember everyone was like so excited that we were doing Grease except for me and I'm like oh great <laughs> my senior musical is going to be Grease like two years before that we did zombie prom that was awesome um, <laughs>
1: you're like my legacy will be Grease forever
0: <laughs> yeah um, but I played Rizzo uh, okay and um I have to tell you, I would do that show again in a heartbeat. It is so much fun to be in. Sure. Um, So there was a scene where I had to um, climb through a window. So basically, Mm. in the musical of Grease, for... That grease lightning scene, basically Mm. right before that, the girls are having a slumber party um, at Marty's house, and uh, they all sing Freddy, My Love, and then everybody falls asleep at the end of the song, and then Rizzo sneaks out. Right. Um, So I had to climb through a window. Well, they built the window a little too high for me to just climb through it. So for rehearsals, we had had a chair there for me to step on to get out the window. So what they decided is for the actual show, they wanted to put, like, a little bench or something just just Uh to give the impression. So it wouldn't look like, oh, there's a chair just pushed up against the window that's totally out of place. Um, So I think the idea was, like, oh, there's a ledge that we can't see that's under the window Mm -hmm. because the bed's directly in front of it. Um, And the bed was, like, too far away for me to, like, use the bed to get out the window. So... (laughs) On opening night, they put, like, a box for, like, I don't know, displaying maybe, like, pottery or something. Sure. Like, not meant to hold the weight of a human being.
1: She's clarifying, folks. So Anybody would have had this problem. So,
0: I step on this box, and it immediately falls apart. Knife. So, I fell into the fake wall with the window. Miraculously, it did not fall it down. Oh. And in my brain, I'm like, well, what am I going to do? So, one, like, side. Is there, is there
1: a hush on the crowd? Is there, like, a uh,
0: oh. No, I don't really think they absolutely knew what was going on. You, you were so was, locked in, maybe yeah, you didn't hear. Yeah, uh, I was. I don't recall, but they probably were. There probably was a switch, uh, if you will. Um, <laughs> but the box didn't like break all the way. So in my mind, I was like, I'm just gonna like step on the one remaining side of this box, and I'm gonna go through the window. Yeah. So, needless to say, that did not work. So then I'm standing there thinking like okay, I'm just going to have to get on the bed and launch myself off the bed. I was yeah. like, I should just I just should just exit, I should just exit just the stage. Just go, go through, so around just the like, door. Yeah, I just like exit stage left or something <laughs> like that. Now, the thing is, um, yeah. have you seen... That SNL sketch, uh, Crucible cast party. I have. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. that is like painfully accurate. accurate. Yes. So, of course, we're having a cast party, and what performance of our play do we have? But yeah. uh, the one where I when would fell you,
1: into the window. When the, the world, world yeah. watches you yeah. fall, break a box, <laughs> yeah, and, then and then just try give up again and walk around. <laughs> yeah. So. From musical theater to here, and yeah. and, and going back to musical theater, I think it's wonderful. It's fascinating. I just, I just, that's the kind of stuff I want. Is there a video out there where you can see Emma Five singing some kind of weird song you never want to be caught singing again? Some kind of stage. Or did you um, always have a good control of your career? I
0: think I had. <laughs> I think I generally had pretty good control over my career. Mm, that's good. Uh, then you're I, in a good spot. I think spot. that I think that um, I benefited from the fact that at the time that I was primarily doing mm. musical theater. Uh, it was largely before YouTube. Yeah, so it's not yeah. really documented on the internet. That's great. I certainly have DVDs of my performances
1: <laughs> that I'm, I could I'm uh, telling you, I share am with the world. Thankful for that because <laughs> right around 1988, <laughs> I was in my junior high production of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Nice. There's, there's probably some bad VHS footage nice. of me as an oompa loompa. I've
0: written a couple of adaptations you know? of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Wh- wh- when
1: and uh, why?
0: A couple of years ago. Um, maybe like three or four years ago now. Uh, when I first moved to L.A.,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I worked for a children's theater company for a little while. I actually yeah, started sure. working for them as a costume designer, and I still have a oh. great, great relationship with this theater company. It's called Young Actors Project. Um, the woman, Shoshana, who runs it, is... Mm. Just wonderful and has such a big heart and just cares so much. Uh, And it's in Malibu. Um, And it's, you know, it's mostly kids from Malibu, but there's some from, like, Pacific Palisades and, um, like, people come down from, like, Agora and Calabasas and stuff like that. But uh, Mm. so, yeah, a couple years ago.
1: The uh, main streets of Agora Hills? Of Agora Hills, (laughs) yep.
0: But, yeah, a few years ago, maybe three or four years ago now, um, they were doing... uh, All sort of variations Mm. on Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, um, for their shows that season. So there was one version that was for, like, the middle schoolers, and then one for, like, little, little kids. So I basically had a script that I um, made... Uh, better, better. <laughs> you know what i mean nice. uh yes. like i pair, i paired it i made it simpler, simpler. for kids right. um, and then i i i basically used the one that i adapted for the middle school age kids uh, for like the little like seven to 10 and then, you know, the five-year-olds were the Oompa Loompas. Right, right. Um, as, I basically, yeah, I used that as sort of the basis and then did, uh, and then wrote a script based on sort of a formula that they use a lot of the time for the children's theater company that I used to tour with.
1: There's a formula?
0: So, yeah, it's, you basically make sure that the kids always talk in the same order. Um, oh wow! Yeah, That's,
1: yeah. I'm um, now I'm thinking back to <laughs> to junior high, and uh, if any of the plays, uh, see, I was in Willy uh, Willy Wonka, yep. Luann, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Mm-hmm. Oh a little a little luncheonette of terrors, which mm-hmm. was a weird one. Might have that been does original. Sound very I don't strange. know. Yeah. <laughs> um I don't remember that now. Yeah. That's fascinating.
0: Yeah. So that's the that's uh, very common. Uh, so I when I graduated from college, I mm-hmm. toured uh with a children's theater company called Missoula Children's Theater. Okay. Uh, and I toured with them for about two and a half years and we put on a play in a week every week uh in wow. different towns all over the country. So That's like
1: eighteen eighties. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right there.
0: yeah. So their scripts <laughs> like were very um, you know, because we were teaching fifty 60, 60 kids yeah. Yeah. this script every single week so they were I mean they're great shows because they're written for kids to perform in, but for right. adults to enjoy. Okay. Like, kids will enjoy them, too, but there's some good humor in it. So them. this
1: is the D storyline in Tombstone. You're, you're, yeah. D, you're Dana Delaney popping yeah. off uh, with Jason Priestley yes, exactly. and uh, that whole line, exactly. Billy Zane. Okay. Yep. Yep. I've got the picture of <laughs> yeah. you and a stagecoach coming yep. into town exactly. going, says I mean, here. It was a
0: red pickup truck, but yeah. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> Basically.
1: Pickup truck. Yeah. Like, uh, I, going mm. back to the Willy Wonka, you, mm-hmm. you writing it, I, I when you said that, my, my initial thought was like a 12-year-old Emma in a room going, I'm going to crack this story <laughs> (laughs)
0: I've got this. No, I did write a lot when I was a kid, though.
1: Did you? Mm -hmm. Like, like little stories? Because I have like little comic books buried deep inside. Yeah, uh, I wrote. uh, Yeah,
0: I wrote like little um, fantasy stories, but I I I, uh, wrote a lot of fan fiction too. Oh, yep.
1: Oh
0: yeah. Oh, fan fiction.
1: (laughs) Fan fiction of what?
0: Um, mostly uh, Sailor Moon. Okay. God, what else did I write? The Adventures for? of Han
1: Solo and Emma. <laughs> <And> Fry. fan <laughs> out there anywhere?
0: No, uh, I don't think I wrote any Star Wars fan fiction. It's never
1: too late. <laughs> I know it really isn't.
0: Uh, no, I wrote. I wrote Sailor Moon, um, uh, Final Fantasy Seven. Um, okay, God, what else? That's uh, good. Um, Ronin Warriors, which was which is yourden Samurai Troopers in Japan and they just put it up on Crunchyroll, which is fantastic mm. news. It's like a it's an 80s anime okay. um, and it's a Super Sentai kind of thing. So, you know, like like Power Rangers in the US, but it's gotcha. anim- it's animated. Yeah,
1: you need to dumb it down for me. Yeah. I'm a huge Robotech fan, sure. but that's same category, but different because right. Harmony Gold came in and said like yes. an Americanized Yeah,
0: this. Uh, well this was a little Americanized too. Oh, was it? Good. Uh, yeah. So it's Yoroiden <laughs> Samurai <laughs> Troopers. It. But it was it was uh, Americanized and distributed in the U.S. as Ronin Warriors, and it had mm. the most like surfer boy dub of life. Um, yeah. I think they basically went like people like Ninja Turtles. Let's try to do that to this these oh, magical the boys that transform into samurai armor.
1: The the second and third degree. <laughs> It's the Transformers to go bots <laughs> yes, type of yes. thing. I love that yeah. stuff uh, when it just kind of gets like, all right, Power Rangers and VR Troopers yep,
0: and yep. down all the A 100%. Yeah, yep, that's exactly Absolutely. What it was.
1: All right, right. Let's. you mentioned it. I was going to get to it at some point. Yeah. Um, I know you've done other shows. You've done Scrimshaw's Obsessed podcast, I right? have, yes. You've talked about it there. So yes. if you want to hear more about this, you can go to Joseph Scrimshaw's show Obsessed and yeah. hear Emma talk about Sailor Moon.
0: Yeah, which actually, I uh, met a fan the other day really? who initially discovered me because of because the, the obsessed, yeah, hey, because of Sailor Moon i has got
1: reach he he's does, got reach he really baby does. he's got reach yeah so, so she
0: discovered me there and then started listening to my Sailor Moon
1: podcast so. uh, which is uh,
0: Love and Justice
1: is the Love name of the podcast Love and Justice yes. which is clearly a reference to something it in is. Sailor it's Moon a, I don't get yes
0: it, it, I mean anyone who's vaguely familiar I would say has seen an episode of Sailor Moon so
1: for like say my mother who's probably listening sure uh, a, and for me who's fami- could pick Sailor Moon right. out of a crowd right and go that's from Sailor Moon sure Explain a little bit about it.
0: Okay, so um, Sailor Moon is a uh, manga, so a Japanese comic book, uh, that was turned into two different anime series, actually, now at this okay. point, uh, which was created by Naoko Takeuchi. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is an expansion of a short story she wrote that was in a you know comic format, basically, called mm-hmm. Codename Sailor V. And basically, uh, they were like, we like this, we want you to write more so we can make an animated series out of it. And she went... Uh, what am I gonna do? Right. And her editor was like, "I have an idea. Instead of having a solo magical girl, let's make a whole team of magical okay. girls. Team is better." Um, so, uh, and so Sailor Moon was really the first time we saw like a magical girl team, right. um, which is now pretty common it, within the magical girl genre. Sure. Uh, Wait, so, the
1: the magical girl genre? Yeah. Did not know that existed till this does. moment. Yep, there's a
0: whole there's a whole genre of magical girls. It's great.
1: Um, I mean, there's a whole genre of them in L.A., I'll tell you that. Um, but um, what what other, so basically, what other ones might fall um, under that
0: category? Magic Knight Ray Earth. Sure. Uh, Pretty Cure. Sure. Um, I saw them open up for
1: Mooney Suzuki at the Foxy uh, um,
0: Theater. Uh, Puella, Majai Madoka. Wow. Yeah, you're
1: just saying this. This stuff's just deep in your soul. Yeah,
0: it is. It's re- it is. So, so deep back to soul. Sailor
1: Moon, which back has to your Sailor heart. Moon,
0: which has my heart. Um, so basically, someone asked me. Uh, my roommate also really loves Sailor Moon. She's one of my co-hosts on Love and Justice. And um, someone asked us, they're like, "What? What is so great about Sailor Moon?" I mean,
1: took and, the question right out of my mouth.
0: And I so I summarized yeah. it as it's about a bunch of. Teenage girls Mm -hmm. who find out that they are the reincarnations of magical space princesses. Sure. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, And they have, like, uh, great—and there's this whole, like, backstory. So basically—and I think that, honestly, is what made me, like, latch on to Sailor Moon so hard because I grew up really loving— Greek and Roman mythology, and then eventually got into, uh, like, Norse mythology and a little bit into Egyptian mythology from there. Uh, But anyway, so I always really liked the, like, you know, sort of Epic war stories yeah. and like the intervening of the gods and things like that. And so, basically, in Sailor Moon, the idea is that, you know, thousands of years ago, mm-hmm. uh, there was this wonderful kingdom on mm-hmm. the moon and uh, the moon princess lived there along with her four guardians. So, Sailor Moon was the moon princess and right. then her four guardians were the four like closest planets to Earth. So like, so,
1: like her Queen's Guard, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yes. Yeah, well, I so. got to speak in mm-hmm. terms of Game of Thrones. Yes, absolutely. Just like a Queen's Guard. That's exactly got what it, it. it is. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. um and uh and the people on the earth Became jealous of the people on the moon because the people on the moon had like these really fabulous, like charmed lives that yeah. lived for thousands and thousands of too. years. Yeah, uh, and so Earth attacked the moon. But the problem was Earth is, is that, always attacking know, shit. The Earth, I'll tell you, yeah, what, they Earth, really, they really need to just like calm back, down. Back off, Earth. <laughs> um, but uh, before all of this went down, the princess of the moon and the prince of the Earth fell in love with each other. Yeah. So like it was, re- a, it was sad. A tale as old was, as time. It was tragic. Yeah. So. Everyone gets, like, killed, and the Queen of the Moon is like, this is so terrible, so Mm. she basically, like, sacrifices her life and uses, like, all of her power to send the spirits of her daughter and um, her daughter's lover, the Prince of the Earth, and her daughter's guardians into the future. So, Mm. 90s Japan. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Uh, where oh they, okay that yeah, makes some sense now. Where it's unclear it we have does. we have yeah. lots of theories about whether like they were actually reincarnated or if this is like a Dawn in the Buffy in Buffy the Vampire Slayer okay. situation where like they just appeared with memories of this life of these lives they'd been living. Mm. Um, I guess spoilers for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Dawn would've... is not really Buffy's sister, right. uh, but anyway. Um, so. Yeah, and then so they're, like, living regular lives on Earth. But unfortunately, because, like, her mother was, like, so distraught, or I always interpreted it as, well, it's kind of an all-or-nothing situation. It's like, well— everyone's going to the future right. or, like, no one is. So the bad guys get reincarnated, too. And so it just starts causing all kinds of problems from there. So
1: there's a lot of layers to this. <laughs> yeah. I'm fascinated. Even if it's something I'm, I, I don't watch or yeah. won't watch or don't understand, to hear you explain it, there's so many layers. There's lore. There's theories. Yeah. places. So it would make sense that you'd have a podcast yeah. and, and, I'm sure, just many general conversations Absolutely. About well, and I
0: mean, you know, not only do you have the manga um, series that it's based on, uh, mm-hmm. that, the, you know, 90s sure. anime and and the um, anime that started in 2014 are based on. Um, but there was a live action series also. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like 2004, 2005. Like where? In TBS?
1: Japan. Oh, in Japan? Yeah. They get all the cool Yeah, it was things.
0: Tokusatsu, so that okay. means it's just like Super Sentai, where it's mm-hmm. basically like uh, a uh, series where it's live action performers fighting monsters that are wearing suits. Like they're gotcha. not like CGI monsters; they're, they're monsters in suits. They're
1: guys in suits. Yeah, they're, and it's like Common suits. Rider,
0: also okay. um, Super Sentai, Power Ranger. Super Sentai and Power Rangers are the same thing. Uh, but anyway, um, so yeah, that was like two thousand four, two thousand five, uh, and then also another big thing in Japan mm-hmm. is uh, stage musicals. So they right. make stage musicals out of anime and manga series. And there's God, there must be twenty Sailor Moon musicals. Really, there's a lot. Yeah. What
1: do you? <laughs> Personally, mm-hmm. now uh, and in the past, and and in the beginning, what mm-hmm. do you? What are some things you pull out of Sailor Moon that resonate so deeply with you?
0: I mean, for me, it's it's just this wonderful message about like how being compassionate and good uh-huh. is like the greatest power of all, and also just like the the power of female friendship. Sure. Um, you know, so many of the things in Sailor Moon, it's like you can't achieve anything unless everybody is working together. And, you know, all of the primary protagonists are women. Mm -hmm. Um, And on top of that, it's like, you know, the one sort of recurring male character is very much kind of the, he's part damsel in distress, part, like, dream boyfriend who's, like, super supportive and, like, has moments where he's, like, <laughs> where he's, like, no, like, her, she, like, this, so, like, Tuxedo Mask will be, like, no, like, Sailor Moon is the one with the power, like, right. I'm, I am here to support her. Support her. Yeah.
1: Which is, a number one, just a good message. Yeah. But, but uh, that, that's good. I, I'd hate, to, I'd hate if fuse like, the only male character in there is a bumbling fool. No, Like he's, a Kevin no, James he's sitcom. Wonderful. No, he's <laughs> great.
0: Well, and on top of that, um, also, uh, a lot of it is um, a part of what makes it so appealing, too, is there are so many female characters. Sure. So they're all really different from one another and they're all very flawed and. Uh, and that's like real. Yeah. Like that's a really <laughs> nice thing that can happen when you have like, like, more than one person right. to represent an entire. Gender. Right.
1: Like girls are human, too. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, yeah. It's an interesting concept. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That that is good. I totally can see the appeal. And, 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 and uh, this isn't a video podcast, obviously. But if you could see Emma's eyes <laughs> light up when she talks about. Moon, that's great. I, I, I love I love uh, the passion you have for this there. And, and how long you've been doing this podcast.
0: Uh, since 2014 so, so God, uh it'll be three years yeah. in like October
1: that's in the digital yeah. world that's a long I
0: know long, yeah it's uh it's really nice time. we have a we have a very uh good uh, engaged dedicated fan base that's so, awesome. yeah it's that's uh, awesome it's a really cool um like community to be part of
1: it's, it would seem like it would be a nice supportive community
0: it is yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean it's interesting because like when the new Anime series started in 2014, Mm -hmm. so basically the anime series that was made in the 90s only loosely follows the source material uh, because not all the source material existed yet. So they did a lot of filler episodes. They
1: had figured
0: out. Yeah, they were like, "Oh, we're going to do all these filler episodes so that we can sort of follow the source material once it exists." Interesting. Um, And uh, and that's very common, very common uh, when adapting popular manga series Uh to an anime series. Um, So now that the manga's been done for God years. Right. Uh the new anime series is a page to screen translation. Mm. And a lot of fans did not like that um because As fans do. Uh yeah, well, you know. Yeah, you're, you're um, no fans. Because I mean number and I will admit, the mm. first two seasons the animation was atrocious. It was awful. Mm. Um it's been cleaned up in the Blu-ray releases and it looks good now, but like it looked bad. Um the third season they got a new they got a new team working on it and it's fantastic. Um But, uh... You know, they were so mad. They're like, oh, this isn't what I remember. And I'm like, maybe you should watch, watch. the 90s anime again because it's got some problems. Yeah, if uh, you go back. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So,
0: uh, but for but we were very fortunate to not really get involved in all of that. And mm-hmm. so, like, even though on our show we're very critical of the 90s anime, we're very critical of all of it, but in a fun way. and a supportive, um, celebratory, yeah. critical exactly, way. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, we were fortunate, though, that we never really got mixed up in the, like, haters of Sailor uh-huh. Moon Crystal. like Everyone who came to our podcast was like, you know, I came into it being like, I don't know how I feel about Sailor Moon Crystal, and you guys totally changed my mind.
1: Well, it's good. You know, we try over in Force Center, too, with Scrimshaw mm-hmm. and Jennifer Land mm-hmm. and myself. We try to celebrate. Cool. I tried that on Jedi Alliance. We're going to criticize some stuff. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some things. I still don't like Chewbacca Mom to this day, yep. but um, <laughs> there's going to be some things we're going to say, and we're going to try sure. to celebrate, because yeah. Yeah, I think fans react to that. We all we all grew up uh, in an era. We're yeah. still uh, close enough in, the, in that nerd generation where we were kind of persecuted for this stuff, totally, so now we want absolutely. to celebrate it. Doesn't mean, though, I have to like everything Chopper does in Rebels. Um, <laughs> oh. Answer this question honestly, Emma. Yes. How much Sailor Moon fan fiction do you have in your in your folders? Oh, that home? I
0: wrote? Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, Jeez. I have... Uh, I kept... <laughs> I kept rewriting the same story okay. because I would get a better idea you for how wanted it would to be done. Perfect. Okay, this so, fan fiction. All right. So, this is a really um, uh, polarizing topic in okay. the Sailor Moon fandom. <laughs> so,
1: I, am I going to get peak controversial comments? <laughs> I don't this think show? so. No, okay. people,
0: anybody who knows me, like, already knows that I'm all about this. Right. Uh, okay. So, I'm, listen, I grew up loving Jane Austen also, so, like, I'm a sucker for a good quadruple wedding at the end of any story. Sure. So, in um, uh, Sailor Moon, which, this is the thing, and I understand why people don't like it, because Sailor Moon is so great with, like, representation for sure. other people. You know, there's, there's gay relationships, there's lesbian relationships, there's trans characters. Like, it's amazing. It's
1: across the board. Um, gotcha. That's good. Uh,
0: but... Uh, for the sort of title splash page before one of the chapters of the manga, Nako Takeuchi made this painting of um, the four inner guardians, so, you know, Venus, Jupiter, Mercury, and Mars, um, in the arms of the guys who were sort of the sub-bad guys, the first mm-hmm. story arc, um, who were supposed to have been the guardians of the prince back in the Silver Millennium ancient Earth-Moon feud days. Right. Uh, and they, like, got... it's. I mean, it's subject to interpretation. Like, did they get brainwashed? Like, what happened to them that they ended up being bad guys in the future? Um... So, Nakotakiuchi, the creator of Sailor Moon, was like, this was an idea that I always wanted to explore, of, sure. like, the the um, inner Guardians being in a relationship with the Guardians of the Prince, right? like, during the Silver Millennium. So, I ate that shit up when I was 14. I was like, oh my God, my mind is blown, because I... Also, like, Labyrinth was my favorite movie. Like, I'm yeah. a sucker for bad guys being in love with, like, oh, the main yeah. girl. Yeah. Um, and... Oh, uh, I,
1: I know a lot of people that Jareth is still the, the man of <laughs> yes, their dreams. yeah.
0: And on top of that, like, I always liked the secondary characters more than I liked Sailor Moon herself. So I was like, oh, I got to explore this love story for these secondary (laughs) characters. So at first I was writing one um, that was like pretty standard, like, oh, we all went to the... um, uh, Moon and under whatever circumstances (laughs) fell in love, and then I was like, "No, I have a better idea." They went to the Earth and like they got captured, and then they fell in love. This is like some weird Stockholm syndrome shit. (laughs) Then, then I was like, "But what if Earth during that time was like prehistoric Earth and there were dinosaurs? Like, no joke."
1: Bringing it back to your early love of dinosaurs, I love dinosaurs. It It all comes back to dinosaurs for you. (laughs) Yep, that's awesome. I so just knew. I have
0: I have like volumes. I just of, uh,
1: could tell you've got a lot of Sailor Moon in your heart. Yeah, yeah, and it's like to epic, tell. epic
0: Sailor Moon fan
1: fiction. Oh, oh, we got we got to find a way to get that out there. <laughs> All right, so I want to take I want to go to a little bit to your career in life here. Yes, in, now that you're out in L.A. and so you're over on the East Coast, you're in Virginia doing musical theater. Yes, what what part of Virginia again?
0: Harrisonburg in the gotcha. Shenandoah Valley. Gotcha. James Madison University. Yes.
1: Um. Wow. That's some. Uh, that's some uh, history and culture out there. Yes, it is. History of America out there. Um, yeah.
0: Yep. Uh, the first time I ever saw a Confederate flag in a store, <laughs> I was in a mall in Harrisonburg. I was like, yep. Oh my God, what is that? That is.
1: That is. That is there. I've spent some time <laughs> in uh, Tennessee. Uh love it out there, but yeah, it's a, diff- <laughs> it's a different world. Different world.
0: I actually. Uh, made a joke in a show I wrote for Quick and Funny Musicals for UCB years ago uh-huh. um, where it, we, my friend Nadia and I wrote a romantic comedy about the making of the American flag because oh, okay. they did a... It was for a Fourth of July, um, show. Let's
1: pitch this to History Channel. Come yeah,
0: so, uh, we, so basically in it, um, Betsy Ross was, uh, she'd recently been widowed, which was, that's all factually sure. true, um, and she was kind of in love, um, with George Washington. Well, we made George Washington kind of a dick in our show, so we are like, come on, Betsy Ross, what's your problem? <laughs> he probably was um, a little bit. <laughs> I don't know, man, Hamilton makes it seems like he was a pretty great guy, Well, uh, but maybe that's just Chris Jackson, yeah. um, but anyway, so in it, uh. She's like making the American flag for the wrong reasons. And so her prototype for the American flag. So she's like, oh, I finished the flag. I got to show it to you. She was all folded up and she unfolded it. And it was a Confederate flag. It got the exact response from the audience that I wanted. That it, it so worked out. they were like, oh. Uh, so you're out
1: there in Virginia yes. you're doing musical theater. Were you always locked in on Los Angeles, this coast? Mm-mm, no. Nope.
0: I. Um, How did the journey begin? Well... Uh, Growing up, I always thought I'd move to New York because I lived like an hour outside of New York. And
1: theater. um,
0: New York was the place. And I love New York. I I still love New York. Um, I'm so glad I don't live there. Um, Mm. uh, Just because once you like live the like L.A. lifestyle, you're like, I can't. I can't live in that small of an apartment, and like.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I just went to New York, been there now twice. My first time with Screen Junkies, yeah. I, I always won. Yeah. I always thought I was going to end yeah. up there. Thought I was going to be on Saturday Night Live. Thought all the yeah. stuff. And I finally got there. Was like, oh, I love it. Then I'm like, Oh, but I have a car. I, I have know, this. It's I have space. So nice.
0: No, I, and that's the thing yeah. is, I really do love New York. Um, sure, I, I absolutely city. do. Um,
1: New York, uh, New York.
0: But anyway, so yeah, I thought I'd go to New York. Um, mm. right out of college, I got a touring job. Hmm. Uh, that's when I started touring with Missoula Children's Theater. And so I saw more of the world. Interesting. Um, And so, I mean, there was a point when I was on tour where I was, I loved that working for that company so much that I was like, man, if they had a home office job take up, I would uh, open up, I would have moved to Missoula, Montana. Hmm. Um, and like. Wow, that's quite a I know, I know. But it's such a neat little city. Um, I would have happily worked in the home office and done uh, their community theater shows because they put so much money into their community theater shows. And, you know, so many people who do work in the home office have this really strong theater background and were tour actors at Uh one point, like I was. So I was like, man, that could be a really great life. And then I toured for about two and a half years. And part of the way through uh, my second year, uh, we went to visit LA on uh, spring break, so we would end up with a spring break because all the schools would be off, so we wouldn't have a residency that week. Right, um, and so I came out here with a a, a few of my uh, of my tour partner and some mm-hmm. other friends of ours who were also tour actors, and we all like. Came to L.A., and we stayed part of the time down, like, in Orange County with some friends, and then came up to L.A., and uh, my tour partner at the time had a cousin who lived in Culver City, so we stayed Mm -hmm. with them, Uh, and I had college friends out here that were all living in, like, Hollywood, and so Mm -hmm. I went and hung out with them, and I was like, now this... This is awesome.
1: What grab what makes you say that? Cause now because you, you've you've like you said, you've seen the world. Yeah. New York, Montana. You've considering living <laughs> so in the, the wilderness of Montana. I mean I get LA, honestly, but what grab I
0: you? had all I had already um driven over Snoqualmie Pass in Washington in a snowstorm with chains on my tire. Gotcha. So I was like, mm, I don't no. really ever need to see snow again. Yeah,
1: like I've seen that yeah. part of the world. We're and good. also
0: LA, I was like, I was like, the traffic sucks. Mm-hmm. The climate's great. Um, right. It's a little... I know there are people that will fight me on this, but it's, like, a little more affordable than New York. Um, oh, it
1: definitely <laughs> is. I mean, it's expensive.
0: Yeah, but, like, but- I can live in... A decent apartment right. for like a lot less than I would yeah. be paying in New
1: York. Like the Absolutely.
0: townhouse that I live in, like I could not get that for what I'm me, for it in New I have for Trust me, I have
1: a friend who just got a big job in New York, and he he kind of told me the figure he was making. I was like, "That is a great job." And he was like, "That is just barely cost enough of to living." Live. Yep, yep. Yeah.
0: Uh, and um, I think what it was was that I had been living out of a suitcase for two years, and I was like, if I go to New York, mm-hmm. I'm going to get a job, like, catering or something, right. uh, and then just be auditioning for more regional theater and touring jobs. I'm not going to get a job on Broadway immediately. Right, like. Right, right, right. And I don't really want to do that, and I don't want to deal with the cold weather, um, and I want to be somewhere. And at that point, too, like, I wasn't even— cause with Missoula, you did everything. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like you switched off because there was an adult part in all of our shows. So you'd switch off with your tort partner, like who was in the show and who was sort of the quote unquote primary director who was backstage. So you, you
1: learned a lot of skills.
0: I learned. A, I got. Yeah. I learned a lot of skills. I, very, very self-sufficient right, uh, right. on so many levels. Um, and so I was I didn't even by the time I graduated college, I wasn't sure I really wanted to act. Okay. Um, and I was like, I want to be somewhere where I can get. Some sort of industry related job and like entertainment related Mm -hmm. and not have to move all the time. Like, I wanna, I want a home.
1: You're in a rock band, you played, you wanna, now you just wanna sit in the studio. You're you're the Beatles in '67, Emma. Yeah. You're like, we're not (laughs) touring anymore. Candlestick's the last one, we're gonna record some cool albums.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: So, but it's an it, did you know, how did you commit to that idea? I'm fascinated with this idea of someone who's, experience travel around experience Mm. different career paths and made this decision it seems you're saying it so confidently and casually if I knew I was in New York I would do this yeah but that's 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 a big decision to make at a relatively young age yeah
0: I was I guess 20 let's see 24
1: sure and not that you couldn't change and couldn't go to New York but later on but I
0: don't I can like I just I don't know I just felt like LA. You just knew? I just felt like LA was the place to
1: go. (laughs) No, that's that, but that is, uh, because
0: look. Well, and you have to understand too, like I had been living on the road for two and a half years at this point. My last summer, I was in Asia. I was traveling with 14 duffel bags full of stuff to do a play in countries where I didn't speak the language and couldn't read. Right. So I was like, Oh, God, like packing up a car and driving across the country. That's a piece of cake.
1: Piece of cake. And then then it seems that you were fortunate enough to have those experiences that maybe helped make this decision. Well, and
0: on top of that, you know, when I was on tour, um, people took care of us a lot. Right. So I didn't. I saved a lot of money. I hardly spent anything when I was on the road. I would have saved more money if I hadn't been in Japan my last summer. Uh, so let me ask
1: this question. Summer. How many servants do you have in your apartment then? Uh,
0: just two. They're my cats. They're really that not counts. very good servants. <laughs> Actually, I think I'm their servant.
1: Yeah, yeah as yeah. with most yeah. animals. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you get here, and but even then your path, because that's what's interesting to me right now to hear you talk about this, your background in the musical theater and, yeah. and writing and all these different things. I kind of known you as a as a podcast broadcaster know, type, right? which for me who started in radio, this makes sense mm-hmm. down the line. I fell back into it and found a passion for this side of the microphone again. But um, for, for you, that's a different path, but you're damn good at it. Yeah. So. So so how did you come to this?
0: Well, um, when I was a kid and I decided I was going to be a musical theater major, I um, was obsessed with a British uh, show called Changing Rooms, which was then adapted by TLC for American TV into a show called Trading Spaces. And oh, absolutely. And Paige Davis, who is the host of yeah. Trading Spaces, wasn't, like, she, her background is musical theater.
1: I know this. And so I... I used to watch Trading yeah, Spaces, and, so, and I wrote a quite famous growling sketch about Trading yeah, Spaces. Fantastic. For, fantastic. I had, fantastic. My, I had my friend Melinda Hill as Paige Davis. Oh,
0: that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, um, so in my mind, I was always right. like, well, I could go down the hosting
1: path. Sure. Uh,
0: and so, <laughs> let's see, I I was living Sorry, in Sorry, I'm getting,
1: I'm, I'm having mm-hmm. a little moment where you were the only other person in my life who could reference... Paige Davis, yep. you know who that is. Yes.
0: Yep. Um, so anyway, I was, uh, when I first moved out here, as I say, I worked for that children's theater company for a little while. Yep. And I was like, I don't really want to do this. This isn't really the path I want my life to go down. Okay. Um... And at the time, it was like they couldn't really pay me a whole lot of money because, you know, sure. nonprofits—real fun, real good mm-hmm. for the soul, not so much for the wallet. Um, and they knew that too, so like we parted on really good terms. Um, mm-hmm. Though I, I even once I started working at Universal, I would come back and work for them because the first couple of years I worked there, I didn't get enough work in the off season, right, right. Um, and I was very fortunate to have that relationship. And that's when I like wrote the Willy Wonka plays and things like that. Um, you know, yeah, like you do. Uh, <laughs> like but you anyway, do. Uh, I. Um, so I worked at an ad agency and I hated it. Um I was like an executive assistant mm-hmm. um and uh as executive assistant receptionist catch-all at mm-hmm. a small er agency. Uh and but but I made enough money that I was able to do all of my um UCB classes. So I was doing improv, mm-hmm. um, which is a great, great skill to have. Yes. I and. recommend it to everybody. Yeah. Um and um then I cannot remember how I came across uh this woman uh who is named Idalis De Leon. She was a MTV VJ. Um and she was teaching
1: I was on a show where she hosted.
0: Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And
1: me and my friend had to pretend we were two guys on the street arguing about uh, racial profiling oh, at Burger King. that is hysterical. And Idalis uh, was uh, the host interviewing us.
0: Oh, my God. That is uh, so okay. funny. So Paige
1: Davis and Idalis. Yes. We got that in so common. Anyway, so,
0: Idalis was having a... Uh, she was doing, like, a workshop. Um, and I was like, you know what? I've always kind of wanted to try out the hosting thing. I think I'm going to go. Sure. Um, and... Uh, and I like came and I talked and read copy or whatever and mm-hmm. she and she was like, you are really good at this. Yeah. Like you have a you have a really good like natural aptitude for this yeah. and you've got a lot of good things going for you. Uh, your look, your voice. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something like you could really do. And so I um, I took more like classes and workshops and stuff with her, mm-hmm. uh, which kind of got me. Uh, To a very confident place hosting wise, uh, so that when I auditioned to be a tour guide at Universal, I first of all had no idea it was a big deal. Uh, Yeah, really? Yeah, oh my God, I had no idea. I know a few
1: past tour guides, and I think we talked about one we both know, Justine, Justine, but uh, uh, my friend Mike Beatrice was a tour guide way back in the day. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyway, so, yeah, I uh, I did not know that it was a big deal. It seemed like a job mm. that I wouldn't hate. Right. Um, and so, but I went in being like, oh, I have to cold read. I got this. Sure. Uh, and and so, you know, I got hired doing that. And, I mean, I, I definitely accredit a lot of that to me sort of becoming as well-spoken as I am mm-hmm. uh, because – When you're giving the tour, it's not like you have a teleprompter or anything. Mm -hmm. So there's a script. I couldn't tell you what it says in the script. I could tell you what I say on my tour. Um, Yeah. But I just became... And I did that for a while because I, I think I was so happy. So right before that, I actually had booked a uh, short-lived hosting job hmm. uh, hosting a show for one of the Buzz Media blogs, not to be confused with BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed. They were them. doing a video game show. And right. so I had a segment on it where I talked about just, I don't know, whatever sort of video game news. Right. Um, and uh, and I I wrote all my copy for my segments and everything like that. Because these are
1: skills you learn. Yeah, exactly. Rewriting Willy Wonka. Yes,
0: exactly. <laughs> um And so basically then I ended up – once I – that show ended, not – there was a little bit of overlap with that and, like, training to be a tour guide at Universal. Um, And, yeah, so I just, like – I was so happy to have a job that I liked Mm -hmm. that for a while – I was like, oh, my God, this is so great. Like, I could be at Universal forever. This is a trend with me. So, like, obviously I was touring with Missoula, and I was like, oh, my God, I love working with Missoula. I could totally live in Montana. No. Uh, (laughs) Same thing with Universal. Uh, You could totally
1: live in Universal Studios? Right. Well,
0: people did back in the day. Really? Yeah. When they first uh, made Universal City a city, uh, in order for it to be a city, there had to be residents. So there Uh. were some people that lived on the lot. I I could be okay with In that. In the early days of, yeah. of Universal City. See? And all of their mail came to them care of like Universal Studios. You
1: know, you got the stuff. You got I the do. facts.
0: I do. You got I the do. Facts. All those wonderful tour guide facts. Um so then I auditioned for at the time Wizard World Yeah. was trying to expand their video content. This was before this was way, way before Con TV. Sure. Um and uh, I auditioned for that, and you know they were very impressed with me. They ended up never doing anything um, until many years later, with yeah. in association with Con TV, I guess. Yeah.
1: Um, but I know some stuff. About yeah, that. yeah, yeah. But anyway, stuff.
0: so but it like reminded me how much I enjoyed mm. hosting. Yeah. So I. Got to so another one of my friends had auditioned for it. My friend Kelby, who's one of my co-hosts on Love mm-hmm. and Justice, and she was like, "We were like, well, let's make our own thing." Um, yeah. And we were so fortunate to have the help of our wonderful friend Justin Langley, who has since moved to Sweden. Um, and we did a vlog for a while uh, that was very high production value because Justin had his nice camera and sound yeah. equipment and. He was really, really sweet to help us out. Um, That was called uh, the Nerd Street Hudlums. And we basically (laughs) were presenting, like, female perspectives on nerdy topics. And it was really fun for a while. Um, And we did, like, news segments at the beginning of it. And then I was like, "Mm, this content is just too long for YouTube. And it's taking too much editing on my Mm -hmm. part. And I have a job that's more or less full time. Right. and it's not really seeing the kind of uh, traction that we would like. And, I mean, of course, at this point, like, nobody knows who we are, so who who, who cares? Right. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. I think if I were to do something like that now, like, people would watch it because now people know who I am. You're gaining um, an audience. Yeah, yes. exactly. Uh, and what I also realized was our format is too long for YouTube, and the thing that's best about mm. what we're doing is our long-form discussion. And that's what I'm having to cut down so much to try right. to keep these videos short. Right, right. So... Around that time, the new uh, Sailor Moon series, Sailor Moon Crystal, started airing, and at the time, and I also I like, was going through a big like podcast phase. So I like loved. I I was really obsessed at the time with how did this get made. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right, And I still love how did this get made. And so I was like, man, I want to listen to, like, a really good Sailor Moon podcast where, like, the people talking about it have a good sense of humor about it. And the only thing there was at the time, this was before I was involved at Mm AfterBuzz, was the Sailor Moon Crystal after show on AfterBuzz, which was all, like, wrestling people. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with wrestling, but I was like, they're literally... Be careful
1: not to look at my Roddy Piper figure up
0: there. That's awesome. Um, No, there's nothing wrong with wrestling, but it's just, like... They were like, oh, we all come from wrestling podcasts, and they, like, just talked about the current show and, like, didn't gotcha. really talk yeah, yeah. about the source material. And then there was another one whoa, that they were so negative that mm-hmm. it was not fun to listen to. Right, that's a key. Um, and so I was like, guys, uh, to Kelby and Lola, who um, are who I was doing Nursery Street Hoodlums with, I was like, what if we just did a Sailor Moon podcast instead? And Kelby was like, oh, I don't think we should do it instead. And I was like, listen— it's okay to admit that, like, a project is not working. Right. We learned something in the process, and there's so much Sailor Moon content to talk about, and it's not being explored in the way that I want it to be as a longtime fan. So, like, why don't we just do this? Sure. Um. And so, yeah, we just started.
1: But in hearing you talk, and I'm, uh, I'm letting you go, I'm just excited yeah. to hear your path here, but you're making... Tough business decisions yeah. that people can't do. Yeah. You're realizing things. You're you're adjusting to trends. You're finding your niche. Yeah. You're finding a passion, but then not just one of the things I run into uh, in this industry when you, when again scouting talent is is the phrase mm-hmm. I'm using, but it's mm-hmm. not. A, but you know we're we for schmoes. We need to find new voices. Yeah. We're always out looking, yeah. and, and I, I just find. Just because you're in front of a microphone doesn't mean you should be Correct. or should continue or shouldn't learn more. Absolutely. Um, and it seems like you ch- certainly have natural talent and abilities, but have, have found a way to craft uh, a corner for your voice. to yeah, be in, And yeah. that's very admirable.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, we started doing um, the Sailor Moon podcast. And so mm-hmm. obviously, like, that made me very comfortable behind yeah. the mic because I, you know, sort of lead host that. Sure. Uh, and then. I ended up. Uh, a, a couple other tour guides were doing stuff at AfterBuzz, right. and so this is like late 2014. Um, I went over there and met Phil and Roxy and everybody. And yeah. the was
1: Roxy a tough uh, HR interview?
0: <laughs> no, we just kind of like talked. My group, uh, I think we were the last group that didn't have like a really hardcore induction. Really? Um, we had to. Yeah, well, yeah, it's changed, it's but yeah, changed. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we just had to basically talk a little about ourselves and what right. shows we liked. And then we had to go home and do this questionnaire and record a video of ourselves right. talking for five minutes about a show that we liked. So obviously I did Sailor Moon and they were like, yep, you're <laughs> you, in. Yep,
1: You're in. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. Yep. I, I- Obviously didn't have to. I was a guest on a lot yeah. of wrestling shows early on, but the shows yeah. we had a different deal, so we kind of walked in, yeah. which, which caused some problems because we walked sure, in, sure. walked in, and people were like, "Who the hell are these guys mm-hmm. just walking into the house? Mm-hmm. Why are they eating the popcorn in the mm-hmm. back?" Um, you know, but the fame and, and Roxy and I've talked about. It, Roxy and I didn't get along first.
0: Oh, that's so funny.
1: I was like, "Who's this Boston uh- bitch <laughs> with his attitude?" And she's like, "Who's this jerk up? Yeah. Won't turn the light off or light on in the studio, wearing a suit all the time." Uh, we didn't get along first, Roxy, but Roxy's tough. That's yeah. why, and she uh, she's still uh, very high up, uh, mm-hmm. filtering people into yeah, that place. No, she is.
0: She's yeah. she's real tough, and she's very selective about who she recommends to other places.
1: Well, but and that is why when I uh, go to her <laughs> uh, I, for Screen Junkies over there, one of my first week, I emailed her, said I needed a list of possible hosts for TV fights. She gave me a, v- a very small but strong list, and at the end said, "PS." I like TV too and of course she ends up getting the gig quite naturally uh, uh, that's a story yeah. we might have to talk about on day, uh, on air one day but yeah, yeah. It, she was almost this afterthought I felt bad I was like yeah give me names oh yeah I guess you too yeah. and she won, won it organically but uh, yeah when she recommends so when I was like alright hey What's up with this Fife kid? What's going on? I want to, and she's like, I fully, fully endorse her. So you, yeah. if you pass the you striker test. I know, test,
0: I know. You're good to go.
1: As we close here, I want to know, in this industry, mm-hmm. as, you, as you build your career yes. and face rejections, face successes, <laughs> uh, you're, a, you're a confident person without a doubt, but that doesn't mean you don't, like the rest of us, struggle yeah. or like me struggle minute by minute. But um, how, how do you, how are you facing the industry? What is your plan? Where do you want to go and how are you going to attack it from here on out?
0: God, I mean, for me, I think it's just the more things that I do, the more I feel like I'm defining who I am as a host and sort of what my mm. niche is. Right now, quite honestly, my number one sort of goal is I think that, uh, you know, obviously I I come from a, a, a sort of anime uh, sure. background and I I really enjoy anime and it's something that I didn't, I guess I didn't. Necessarily expect to continue enjoying this right. late into my life, especially because you know when I was.
1: <laughs> I'm it, looking at all my Star Wars toys. I, hey, listen. at some point I thought it was going to end.
0: No, totally. <laughs> I mean, I'm doing a Star Wars RPG right now on yeah. Hyper RPG, and it's so amazing and fun, and I love it. Um, but uh, so for me, what I would really like, because I don't think that there is there mm. there's not a show for this. Um, there's there isn't a show that isn't like directly sponsored by Funimation or Crunchyroll, like, with their people who work for them doing it. So, gotcha. obviously, like, they're kind of limited in what they can say on their opinions right. on things. It's kind of like with Talking Dead on sure. AMC. It's like, it's an AMC show. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's, Hard work gets it all the time. Yep, mm-hmm, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. You can't criticize. Yes, exactly, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. exactly. So, you know, I I, uh, I applaud him yeah. in that regard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and in many others. Uh, but anyway, so I... There's not really a show right now for people to discuss, uh like, with, like, intelligent adults discussing current anime series. Mm. Um, And so I really want to do a show like that. Like, I want to do a show that's kind of similar to the way that, like, movie talk or TV talk is, where it's, like, there's a breakdown of, okay, like, this is the show that we're watching this quote-unquote season. And right. then here's all these—because there's so much anime now that's, like, available— streaming legally right. on, on Crunchyroll, on Funimation, on Netflix, it's on Daisuke. There. Like, it's all out there in a way that it never was when I was a kid. Like, I had to get, like, bootleg fan subs. Sure. And it was a, it was a different time. Um, So, yeah, I, like, I really want to do a show like that because I feel like I've been incredibly, like, oddly enough, um, with the exception of, like, the hardcore, like, shounen fighting anime fans, right. I've been, like, so well Received by that community of people. Sure. Like, anytime anything comes up at, uh, like, Screen Junkies, are like, yeah, we're gonna do an anime fight, it's like, I, my Twitter feed will suddenly blow I, up. Yeah, I was with gonna people say. Being like, Emma needs to do that. Yeah,
1: as you should. <laughs> Well, you should sit down with Andres Ace Cabrera from Shamos No. I know. And figure out how to conquer the anime discussion. Yeah, world. I know, because um, I know he
0: really wants to also. And I mean, I just love uh, animation in general right. uh, as well. And I think that um, that's kind of. That's kind of like this weird little like niche audience that I've sort of carved for myself. Find and, your corner, yeah, and it's worked out really well. You, um, it's
1: it's worked out very well, yeah, so far.
0: Yeah, so yeah, I would I would love like I would just I would love to have a show like that um, where I can like really get into some of the... And I would want to have, like, a nostalgia pick every week because there's so much good old anime
1: on Crunchyroll. Like, so So much much good old stuff. It's amazing. (laughs) Folks, she's so excited. (laughs) We've got to have this. Uh, Yeah,
0: so I think for me right now, it's like... It's figuring out, like, how do I... Transit, like, because the thing is, I like.
1: Do you formulate these plans? Do you think about this? Do you have goals, goal books? What do you? How do you really, do? Really? No, no,
0: I like to just strap in and go. I do. I. <laughs> that's, yeah. That really is. That's the thing. Is people ask me and I try to say yes all the time. Yeah. Um, within reason, I'm getting to a point now where I'm getting a little bit more selective about what I say yes to. But um, well,
1: there's re- reached the point where you have to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, but for the most part, it's like I, I'm a big believer in say yes and figure it out later uh,
1: <laughs> that, that that's but that's an admirable skill uh that a lot of i am a uh let's figure it out my natural reaction is no and yeah think about it yes yeah
0: and, yes. So yeah, and i feel thing. like for me too like every time i don't i don't know so much that i faced like full-on rejection so much as mm-hmm. people just being like cool we had you do this thing and now we're just gonna kind of like not Loop you in on stuff. And I'm like, okay, am I being phased out? (laughs) Um, But every time that happens, I feel like something better. Happens for me, so absolutely,
1: it's been an interesting path. to hear you describe it, uh, and and to hear you get so excited from Sailor Moon, you're gonna find that thing. You're gonna find. I have no doubt. I have faith. Just how you uh, have approached it and have grown, and that's what I hope people out there listening can take from it. And uh, you know, yeah, I think you should win an anime fight or two over on Screen Junkies. I know. I know.
0: Some people were tweeting like, "Oh, Joe should host that," and Joe was like, "Um." Actually, I think Emma or Max should host it. Yeah,
1: um, Well, Max Song and I go back a ways to Yeah, That yeah. guy knows stuff he does. as well. Yeah. So, Emma, it's been so great to get to know you on a microphone. <laughs> I hope uh, my listeners uh, have uh, found uh, some inspiration from mm-hmm. your path. And uh, maybe they'll tweet you and ask to get bits and pages of your Willy Wonka adaptation <laughs> or your Sailor Moon fan <laughs> fiction. Uh, thank you so much for coming into the Knapsack File yeah, Studios. thank you. It was uh, fun. Tell the fine folks where they can follow you and listen to your podcast.
0: Well. Uh, all over the internet. Uh, I'm just at my name, Emma Fife, mm. E-M-M-A-F-Y-F-F-E. A lot of A uh, lot, lot of Fs. All F's is in Frank. Uh, yeah. yeah, 60% F in my last name. Um, <laughs> and then you can find uh, my Sailor Moon podcast. It is called Love and Justice. Uh, we are, of course, listed in iTunes. Uh, if you search for Sailor Moon, we're like the second thing that comes up. So uh, you should totally check that out. It's really fun. Uh, And then I'm also doing a uh, show on hyper RPG uh, mm-hmm. called Pencils and Parsecs, uh, which is a uh, Star Wars tabletop RPG based on Love the Edge it. of the Empire Fantasy Flight System, which is so much fun to play. I
1: don't even want to start it um, because oh I my won't God. ever it's leave.
0: Unbelievably fun. Oh, wow. uh, yeah. So I uh, I am playing the character of uh, Kylara Faye is her name, and she is <laughs> a um, f- well, she's Mandalorian, but like her parents were new Mandalorians, so they were sort of like space hippies, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, and even after, <laughs> Clone War spoilers, the death of Duchess Satine, yeah. uh, they continued to try to live that kind of lifestyle, and Kylara was like, I don't really know if this is for me, uh, but I don't really know about this whole Mandalorian thing, so she took off like as a teenager. Sure. So like, she's Mandalorian originally, but she doesn't like necessarily identify as that, so obviously that's going to come back to haunt her at some point. Obviously. Uh, but is a smuggler, and she's a, awesome. she's a real smooth talker. So check that out. Where, they,
1: where can they find <laughs> uh, that again?
0: Twitch.tv slash HyperRPG. We stream live every Saturday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Pacific time. And then we have our episodes up on YouTube uh, by Sunday or Monday.
1: That is awesome. Guys, please give Emma a follow. And uh, if you're uh, on the verge of becoming a Sailor Moon fan, (laughs) this is the person. Yeah. Start with
0: the beginning of our podcast because we start at the beginning.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Emma will guide you through it. Uh, Thanks for coming in, Emma. And for all of you out there, you can follow me at KatNapsack. And don't forget to have the official Facebook page and the Napsock Files Facebook page. Give us a like there. And the Patreon page is out, new for 2017. Uh, if you are one of the Patreon supporters, you g- you got to vote on who was first in the Knapsack Files interviews. And you're also going to get the bonus episode, five extra minutes, which we're going to do here soon with Emma. And that will be up on the Patreon page. Uh, so you can support me there. And as always, uh, just hashtag the Knapsack Files to join the conversation on Twitter. If you're following Emma and I, follow up, talk to us, tell us what you think. So until next time, I'm going to go write my own Willy Wonka fan fiction. <laughs>